Hello, it is May 12th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. So we're going to start off with Dana White, Francis Ngannou, and Derek Lewis. According to White, uh, this is going to be the next uh, heavyweight title fight, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. White said, we're working on that fight. That fight is going to happen this summer. No one really wants this fight. It's coming across now as a money-saving option for the UFC. Uh, everyone, I think, is expecting or was hoping that it would be Ngannou and John Jones. That talk has, I guess, fallen through, and the sticking point is money for Jones. Jones wants somewhere in excess of $10 million. The UFC doesn't want to pay that has made it clear it doesn't want to pay what Jones wants. I think Jones wants somewhere in the 12 to 15 range. Dana White's making it sound like Jones wants somewhere in the 30 million range. And I don't think that is, while the UFC could probably pay that and still make its numbers, the UFC clearly doesn't want to pay that. So I think the number is going to end up around 15, 12, 5 wouldn't shock me. 10, White, um, I'm sorry, Jones said is not going to happen. And so, while the UFC pursues Ngano and Lewis, the White is also talking about Jones and maybe Stipe Miocic. And here's what he said. Uh, whether John has a manager or not, John is going to do what John wants to do. So it's probably something that John Jones needs to work out. I know that him and Hunter, Hunter Campbell from the UFC have a good relationship, so I think those guys are going to get together soon and talk. And, and I think... And he also said, uh, Miocic is the heavyweight goat. The guy has put in the work and done all the things you need to do to be the heavyweight goat. That's a fact. I like that he's fired up and wants to fight again. Listen, we could do John and Stipe. John's one of the best to ever do it. If he wants to fight, we'll get a fight done for him. John Jones wants to fight. He wants to, but John Jones wants to fight and he wants to get paid what he deserves. This isn't of. This isn't a John Jones doesn't want to fight. It's John Jones wants what John Jones wants. And it's Jones versus the UFC and money here. White is going to go back to this because it's one of his favorite things to do. When he wants to fight, he'll let us know. White will always say there's ways to not fight while acting like you want to fight. And that implication there is you're pricing yourself out. But the reality is... Everyone knows the split, the revenue split. So Jones isn't pricing himself out. He's asking for the amount he knows he should be getting, or not even that. He's asking for an amount he thinks the UFC will be willing to give at some point because Jones could get more and the UFC would still make its money. So say Jones agrees to fight Miocic, and it's at a number of... I don't know, five to between five and ten million, and Stipe gets the same, and Jones beats Stipe. Okay, now we're at the same spot we're at right now. John Jones maybe fights Francis Ngannou after that if he beats Stipe, and then where are we at? Well, he's still going to want more than ten, and so this this whole scenario just plays itself out again. It's a stopgap. So the best case scenario, Ngannou beats Lewis, Jones beats Miocic, and we're right back here 
where Jones wants his money, the UFC doesn't want to give it. The UFC is not going to change its mind if Jones beats Stipe. It's just not. It's not going to happen. So that's the best case. Worst case scenario, Lewis beats Ngannou, Miocic beats Jones, and all the money that could have been shared between Jones, Ngannou, and the UFC, the UFC will make the most of that. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise or even think otherwise. All that money is gone. Gone. The Fertitta brothers used to say that the UFC made the fights the fans want to see. Those days are over. The UFC now makes the fights that will make it the most money with the least p bit of pressure or inconvenience to itself. And that fight, with the least bit of pressure and inconvenience to itself, is going to be Ngannou and Lewis. The only person with any kind of uh, leverage here, and it's a very, 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 very small amount of leverage, is Ngannou. He could say, I don't want that fight unless I get paid the same as I would for a Jones fight. And the UFC might do that because it's still not going to pay Lewis as much as it would pay Jones. To think that that if Jones beats Miocic and Ngannou beats Lewis, that fight can then happen is foolhardy and no one should believe it. And so why risk the possibility of losing that fight over a short-term gain? The Lewis, the Lewis and Gano fight could happen. More likely to happen than Jones and Miocic. And then you make your money there. But then, why? That's the short-term gain. The UFC will make a bunch of money off that. Probably not as, definitely not as much as Lewis, I'm sorry, as Ngannou and Jones. So why not just make the Ngannou and Jones fight? Why not go for the hit? Why not go for as much money as you can get with some risk? Slight risk, but some risk. And the answer is because the UFC is more interested right now in making as much money as possible with the least amount of risk as possible. We're in a new world now, folks. The UFC has a lot of bosses now with the, with the stock, with the IPO. And those people that bought the stock were sold that 80-20 split and were sold a good return on investment. They're going to want that return on investment. And the only way to make that return on investment is by playing it safe and going after what it knows it can do. And that's what the UFC is going to do in this case. So even if Jones agrees to Miocic fight and he wins and Ngannou wins, we end up right where we are right now with two fighters knowing that they could get paid a ton of money and the UFC not willing to give them that money while at the same time knowing that the UFC will make tons more than both of those fighters. So while I expect Ngannou and Lewis to fight, I wouldn't hold my breath on John Jones and Stipe Miocic. So, Hamzat Chemaev uh, tweeted out that he's fighting in August at 170, September at 185, November at 170, and December at 185. Uh, that's ambitious, even if he was 100% healthy. But knowing he's a, uh, a COVID-19 long hauler, and almost retired because of how sick he was, I think that plan might be overambitious. And what Dana White had to say about it is, I like that. I'm in. Look at what he did on Fight Island. 
I mean, he's obviously capable of doing stuff like that. But ever since that happened, the guy's had an incredible bad luck streak. COVID-19 is not bad luck. It's a serious illness. And once again here, Dana White dismisses how serious it is. So my question is, if the UFC is going to book uh, Hamza Chemaev like this and give him those four fights, what's it doing about his health? Where is the concern about his health? Is the UFC going to do anything? Is it going to do additional testing on him to make him make sure he is 100% healthy? That includes heart testing. That includes a full battery of tests to make sure there is nothing wrong with him related to COVID-19 and that everything is back to his baseline as it was before this. So, you know, you take your meds, medical uh, records from the Fight Island fights, and then you compare what you get now. And if those numbers are not the same or close to the same, well, then you do some things, a little more studying to figure out why is that going to happen? Maybe for someone like Chemayev, because he's a valuable commodity, but I highly doubt it. And if it doesn't happen to Chemayev, who is on the up, what's going to happen with Cody Garbrandt, who's in a similar situation, being a long hauler from COVID-19? who might not be on the way up, who might be on the way down. Is he going to get the same amount of care? The answer is probably no. So the UFC always says health and safety first. Well, if it was health and safety first, then Hamza Chemaev would be getting a full battery of tests before he even steps into a camp situation. So if he thinks he's ready to train now, fighting in August, well, then the UFC needs to take care of him and, and look at his medicals in depth and his the shape he's in in depth instead of just doing the minimum required, which is what it does now. So I hope that the UFC is at least thinking about this. I doubt they are because this guy's just an independent contractor and he's an interchangeable part, but he is a, a someone they're trying to promote, so maybe he'll get additional care. Uh, I'd be very interested to see what's going to happen here, though, because of all the fighters who have been ill with COVID-19, he's probably the one that uh, the most focus should be on as far as aftercare and future care. But is that going to happen? Again, I don't know. History says probably not. If you had to pick one of Dana White's favorite phrases... For a fighter who's being, let's say, in his mind, difficult to negotiate with, meaning they want what they want and want what they deserve as far as pay goes, there's probably two things that White says. One is what was said earlier about John Jones. He'll call us when he wants to fight. And the second is, I, I don't think he wants it that bad. And when it comes to Nick Diaz, it's the latter. Here's what he told ESPN. The meeting went good. My whole thing with Nick Diaz is that I just question how bad he really wants to fight. We got together. We had a great conversation and talked about a possible comeback for him. I just don't know. We'll see how it plays out this summer and the rest of the year. Just the amount of time that he's taken off already. When you hear him talking about fighting, when you hear him talk about the sport, and I sit that daily or talk to daily hungry young savages who want to break into the top 10 and become world champions and all that stuff. And Nick Diaz has done it all and seen it all, and he's been in big fights. I just don't see that in him when I talk to him. What White sees in Nick Diaz when he talks to him 
is a fighter that knows his value at this point in his career and is not going to come back for a bad deal and is not going to come back for a fight that the UFC is trying to book that will get him a loss against someone they want to push, Hamzat Shemaev. So what we have here is, once again, Dana White spinning the conversation to saying, this guy doesn't want to fight. We've heard this many times. George St. Pierre didn't want to fight. He wasn't hungry. Uh, and now it's Diaz again. And I'm going to do an article for Bloody Elbow about this where I get a list of all the uh, times that Dana White said this about fighters and what the outcome was. Do I think that Nick Diaz wants to fight? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know Nick Diaz. His manager seems to indicate he wants to fight. So that's fine. He's in phenomenal shape. We've seen that. I mean, the man is in, for someone who's not actively competing, that dude is in shape. So physically, he looks fine. If he's in a mental state where he wants to fight and compete, then fine. It's been a long time since he fought. I don't want to see him fight. Um, I don't want to see him fight somebody in the top five. But, I mean, I do want to see him fight as a fan, as someone who knows what this sport does to people. I'm not so sure I want to see him fight. So let's just say that. But Dana White, if Nick Diaz came in and set, told Dana White he'd fight for 30 grand, I can guarantee you he'd be booked. If Nick Diaz comes in and says he wants to fight for half a million, well, that's when Dana White starts to think that maybe maybe that fighter doesn't want it as so bad. So it's it's money. It's what it all boils down to. It's what it always boils down to with Dana White. And even more so now that it's not under the Fertitas. The Fertitas could make things happen if they wanted to. And Dana White now is in the, uh, I'm in the money making business for my bosses. And Nick Diaz asking for a half million dollars is not going to make my bosses as much money as I think it should. So once again, we're at the point where Dana White's, you know, trying to make a fighter look bad when all they want is money that they've probably earned throughout their careers and some respect that they definitely have earned throughout their careers. Uh, but MMA is the ultimate what have you done for me lately sport. And Nick Diaz has done nothing for the UFC lately. And so I'm not hopeful that we'll see him fight. And if we do know that the UFC got it, is getting a good deal for making him, making a fight for him. Anthony Johnson, um, according to, I think this is from MMA Fighting, on 11-9-2019, the new Canaan police took a complaint regarding a victim having their credit card being used by a third party without permission. The legal use of the credit card was used to purchase a round-trip airline ticket from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Newark. The name of the passenger was Anthony Johnson. A subsequent investigation determined Johnson used the illegally obtained credit card to purchase the airline ticket. An arrest warrant was obtained for Johnson for the above charges. And now Anthony Johnson was arrested and charged with, with credit card, uh, using a stolen credit card, I believe. And this was after the Bellator event. And so we're right where we are with Anthony Johnson, him making a promotion look bad. And I'm not gloating over this arrest, but here's what I am saying. Anthony Johnson over his career has shown us who he is. And who he is is a unrepentant, unsympathetic person who, who plays the victim whenever something happens to him. 
for his five or six um, violence against women incidents and domestic violence incidents, he's always played the victim. It was never him. It was always the other person. And he never apologized. He never owned up to anything. There's police records on all this stuff. Files, I mean, charges might have been filed and then dropped. Charges might not have been filed. But there's a, a, a paper trail of all this stuff that Anthony Johnson has done. And I wrote about it on Bloody Elba before the Bellator event. I don't like to be right about this, but I, I, I told you, I told everyone, Anthony Johnson is not a good person. And he shouldn't have had the opportunity to fight. Um, I know everyone says, well, what else is he supposed to do? And I say, I don't really care. But if you have violence against women, domestic violence, violence against family members, just violence in your background that you've been arrested over or charged over or had to take three anger management courses over, maybe a violent sport is not the best job for you. Maybe, you know, doing something else is what needs to happen. But because he's a good fighter and because fans want to see him and media want to see him and no one really wants to point out what he's done wrong, Anthony Johnson gets chance after chance after chance. And so Bellator gave him a chance. Now, I don't feel bad for Bellator. They knew what they were getting into. I asked them what they thought of Anthony Johnson's past and what gave him confidence that he was not going to you know, fall back into those things, and I didn't get a reply. The UFC also would have signed Johnson. Don't let him, don't let, don't, don't think that they weren't, wouldn't have because Dana White said he was interested in it before Johnson signed with Bellator. So now Bellator looks bad because it signed Johnson. But Bellator looked bad because it signed Johnson when he signed, when it signed Johnson. He's not a, a, a redemptive character. He's not someone you want to advertise that is on your roster. But Bellator did so, and now Bellator and Johnson have to deal with what is happening right now. Is Johnson going to play the victim here? Probably, because that's what he does historically. He's a front runner, and when things don't go his way, there's a lot of blame to go around, but none of it is ever pointed back at himself. So don't be surprised if Johnson plays the victim here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bellator... If he turns out to be guilty of these things, if Bellator cuts ties with him, they knew what they were getting into, and now they have um, some negative attention on them for this. And that's going to go back to all the other things that he did. And the spotlight is now on Bellator and Anthony Johnson, and I think that's rightfully so. So, you know, you, you deal with people and you take chances like this when they show you, they showed everyone what they were made of. Well... I don't really feel sorry for anyone involved here. Uh, I think Bellator should have been a little more cautious. I think the MMA media should have been a little more outspoken about Johnson's past. And again, I don't, I'm not gloating. I'm just saying there was nothing to make me believe that Anthony Johnson had uh, redeemed himself or did anything, any of the work needed to move past his, his past. And, and so here we are. Same place we were before this news broke. Anthony Johnson, not a good person, and in the news for all the wrong reasons. And that is all I have for today. I have a couple things that I'm going to carry over, and maybe I'll have something tomorrow. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. And uh, until 
Until next time, everyone stay safe.